Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, people? Welcome to the post-game number crunch. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting, creator of the House and Growls Timberwolves newsletter, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by Kana Supers and SB Nation. If you'd like to subscribe to House and Growls, please follow the link in the show notes or head to houseandgrowls.substack.com to grab a free trial to the newsletter or even a $3 per month subscription. Once again, we are back with another Tuesday deep dive. As I said last week, Mondays are the only day of the week where I'm working late. So watching the game and then writing the player ratings over at House and Drowse and then researching and doing this podcast can be a bit time consuming. So for those Monday games like the one we had this week against the Sacramento Kings, I'll be doing the podcast the next day and maybe it might even be in your ears on a Wednesday morning. But on those days, I'll try to use the extra time I do have to dive a little bit deeper into a topic rather than just those 9 or 10 or 11 minute recaps that I usually do. It won't still be crazy long. It's actually extremely difficult for me to sit here and talk to myself for 30 or 40 or 50 minutes. But I'll just try to expand a little bit further into the game or the trend or the thing that's been gnawing away at me recently. And of course, we are here talking about, or I guess anchoring this podcast with Minnesota's loss to the Sacramento Kings, just days after they beat that same Kings in a home-and-home miniseries. The game ended 118-111 to after Jade McDaniels walked, yes, literally walked, into a 3.0 with 12 seconds left to send it into overtime. And it was a fun game, man. Like, the Kings are really fun. More and more, it's seeming like the Wolves are really fun. And even more so, it feels like this would be one of those playoff matches that would end up absolutely ruling for seven games. But the Wolves have to get to those playoffs first, and that's where this game kind of switched from fun to painful. Minnesota dropped from the fifth seed to the ninth seed in the Western Conference standings with that loss. I think if Denver beat New Orleans, by the time you've listened to this, that game will probably be finished. Then Minnesota could be up into the 8th seed. But if we describe this game as fun, we should also describe it as a missed opportunity, and that's what it was. The standings are wacky right now. Being the ninth seed and being the 5th seed mean very different things in a usual season, obviously. But when there's around 30 games left for each team and one single loss can catapult someone down those standings it's really hard to take them really seriously right now in reality all the wolves have to do is stay afloat if they keep being around a 500 team say one or two games over 500 they will be in or around that playoff seeding 
And when we get closer to the end of the season in late March or even early April, those seedings will start to be a bit less volatile and a bit more real. Or, of course, the Wolves could go on a win streak or a losing skid. You do either of those things and you can climb out of this 8 or 9 team lump in the middle of the standings. Or you could drop right to the bottom of it and leave yourself a real uphill battle. And the only way the Wolves are going to be a team who climbs out of that lump is through Anthony Edwards. Now maybe there's a chance you're getting sick of hearing about Ant. He's obviously the main topic among all Wolves podcasters and writers at the moment. But that's for good reason. Not only is he on one of the biggest hot streaks in the league, he's currently having what I would say is the best season of any Timberwolf player not named Kevin Garnett or Jimmy Butler, and maybe even just Kevin Garnett. Obviously, that has really taken off lately and gone to another level lately. Just like last season, the Wolves seem to have turned their season around in January But unlike last season, it's for a very different reason. Anthony Edwards is that reason. Now, he isn't the only reason, but man, it's a big old chasm between him and the reasons below him. Last season, it was Ant as well, obviously, but it was the fly-around defense with Pat Bev and Vando and Jaden McDaniels kind of leading that charge. And it was Carlton Towns who started to really cook as a scorer after the new year. And it was some different schematic stuff from Chris Finch to kind of put Cat in that driver's seat to really drive the team towards the playoffs. This year, it's Anthony Edwards. It's Anthony Edwards and then far below, it's the rest. So, in the spirit of the year of Ant, I'm just going to do a full-blown stats dive into Anthony Edwards I'm going to nerd out a little bit, but really I just want to try and paint the full statistical picture of what Ant has done in this month, but also on the season as a whole. It's kind of easy to point to January because that's that's when the Wolves have been better and Ant has been on this tear, but outside of maybe a few weeks to begin the season, Edwards has been one of the best players in the league for the majority of the season. So let's take a quick break, and then we'll jump right into that huge stats dive on Anthony Edwards. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay, so we, as I said before the break, we are going to do the comprehensive stats dive into Anthony Edwards. So let's just start with the basic shit, right? For the season, he's now averaging... 24.9 points, 6.1 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 
and 1.7 steals per game while shooting 46.5% from the field and 37.1% from three. Tick, 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 big old tick. He's blended this newfound scoring increase and huge jump in role with Towns being out by scoring at his most efficient rate of his entire career from all three levels. In fact, and maybe this is more of an indictment of the Wolves franchise as a whole than anything else, that 24.9 points per game is the fourth best scoring average in Wolves history behind 2013-14 Kevin Love at 26.1, 2011-12 Kevin Love at 26 on the nose, and 25.1 points per game by Carl Anthony Towns in the 2016-17 season. And I guess just another funny indictment and sign of the way that the game has changed. His 148 three-point makes so far this season ranks 7th in Wolves history for a full season. I mean, we've played, what, 53 games, and he's already 7th in that in that leaderboard. I'm not sure if he will get there to beat the record of 243s made set by Malik Beasley last season. I think off the top of my head, that would be three to four mates per game in this final 29 games. But he's going to go pretty close the way he's going right now. And that's as somebody whose game certainly isn't that of a shooting specialist like Bees was and is. And as I've spoken about, it's only got more fucking bonkers this last month. In the 16 games in January, where the Wolves went 11-5, and as you probably know, and averaged 27.3 points, 5.9 rebounds, 4.9 assists, and 1.4 steals per game, somehow managing to keep those shooting splits at 46.7% from the field, and 39.4% from long range. Now we get into some of the deeper stuff, the nerdier stuff, which, as you can probably tell, I love this stuff. We go into the all-in-one advanced metrics for now, and that's still kind of the area where he feels like he's lagging behind what his basic stats and eye tests kind of show us. In estimated plus-minus, which I think is currently the best all-in-one metric, He is currently sitting with a plus 2.3 estimated plus minus. That ranks in the 89th percentile and is made up of a plus 2.0 offensive EPM and a 0.3 defensive EPM. Those numbers rank in the 88th percentile and 70th percentile respectively. Again, it's not bad. I mean, it's still in the upper echelon of players in this league, but I do feel like it's kind of a number that is weighted slightly against players who are of Anthony Edwards's archetype, that archetype that's more volume scorer as their main weapon rather than guys who do other things or one single thing really well. In general, I think great scorers, leaders, ball handlers, shot creators are the most important archetype in the league in terms of winning games and in terms of leading a team. But I don't think that really translates over to these all-in-one catch-all advanced metrics. I think, as an example, you could take a guy like Stephen Adams, who is an exceptional post defender and one of the league's best rebounders. 
he ranks in the 92nd percentile in EPM compared to Ant's 89th percentile. Or even someone like Mitch Robinson from New York, who is similarly skilled as a defensive big and a rebounder. He ranks in the 93rd percentile. I think it's usually the case where the big rebounding defensive-minded guys kind of get the edge in these advanced metrics. But I think we know from watching games or from just knowing basketball that Anthony Edwards is a better player than both of those guys. And that same logic applies to most all-in-one stats. Basketball Index's LeBron metric, which I think is the other all-in-one number that is somewhat viable, kind of paints the same picture. In general, I don't think that any all-in-one metric is going to paint enough of that picture to judge a single player. But it is a decent way to get a quick snapshot of a player's impact on the game. In that LeBron metric, they have him ranked 48th in the league with a plus 158, a plus 1.58, sorry, number. But they actually have a wins above replacement metric in there as well, which kind of filters out players who haven't played many minutes or whose impact has, hasn't has resulted as directly in winning. And for that wins above replacement data, Ant actually ranks 18th in the lead with 4.6 wins above replacement, above the likes of James Harden and Tyrese Halliburton, and just below players like Damian Lillard and Jimmy Butler. So really good company there for Ant. I think if you are going to go down the advanced stats route then you're better off doing so in more detail than just that all-in-one style and again basketball index has these player profiles which break down every section of a player's game and give percentiles for each of those sections they are very detailed i think i've said before that i know some guys who work on those sites and they are very smart people who do a lot of work to pass through all these games and define these numbers So without going too deep into it, because I know I'm launching a lot of stats at you guys here, I'll just rattle off some of the ones that stand out to me for Edwards so far this season. Just some basic ones, I guess, first that point to the massive upturn in usage and role for Ant would be his touches per game, which rank in the 95th percentile, his scoring possessions per game, which rank in the 94th percentile, his usage rate is in the 96th percentile, and his total offensive load is in the 95th percentile. I mean, to have the season he's having and the efficiency spike he's having while seriously being one of the most prolific usage guys in the entire league at 21 years old is genuinely impressive, man. I I just can't say enough to how hard it is for a 21-year-old or a third-year player to take that leap into being just a heliocentric kind of offensive time bomb every game that is taking a load of possessions, having a load of weight on their shoulders and has their team pushing or on particular nights in the playoff race. And on top of that actual usage data is all the minutiae of his actual game. And that's been just as impressive. He's shooting 45.5% on catch-and-shoot threes, that's in the 93rd percentile. He's only at 36.6% on above-the-break threes, but that's still in the 73rd percentile for the league. And he's shooting a crazy, nuts, bonkers 
51.5% on corner threes, and that's currently grading him out in the 92nd percentile. So all of a sudden, he's a shooter. Not a spot-up guy or a fly-off-screens guy, but a versatile off-the-bounce and off-the-catch shooter who can get it by himself or with the help of others. And they are the most important scoring archetypes in the league right now. That's what Dame does. That's what Steph does. That's what KD and Tatum and Doncic do. But maybe what's different to those guys is that Ant is a phenom at the rim. 88th percentile in drives per 75 possessions. 98th percentile in unassisted field goal attempts at the rim per 75 percentile uh, per 75 possessions. 99th percentile in basketball indexes rim shot creation metric and 99th percentile in their finishing at the rim metric. I think man, I don't know I don't really need to explain. It. I think we watch Ant it was a bit of a knock on him to start his career and he still probably misses a few more shots at the rim especially on nights where he's just not feeling it than we would like. But when you compare it to other guys around the league, the way he gets to the rim, the way he does it without guys having to set him up, and the way he finishes through contact and finishes hard shots, he is one of the best rim scorers in the league. There is no doubt about that. And I think the other area that he, he is thriving in, at least compared to his other seasons, is his on-ball offensive metrics. It's still not great, but again, compared to what he was when he came in the league where he was so easily screened off and so easily beaten off the dribble. He's still beaten too much when he is an off-ball defender, but he's certainly stepped up to a level of on-ball defense that is very helpful for this team. His on-ball metrics, 72nd percentile in screen navigation, 91st percentile in pickpocket steals, which is steals that come when he is the on-ball defender, 71st percentile in passing lane defense, 94th percentile in steals per 75 possessions, and 70th percentile in deflections per 75 possessions. So, yeah, I told you I was going to nerd out, and those are probably the nerdiest metrics you can get. They aren't even close to the be-all and end-all, but I do think for Ant in particular, they paint a pretty good picture of what we're seeing from our eye test. He's got, the, he's got to the point where he is deadly as an all-round shooter. He's one of the best rim attackers in the league. And he is becoming more and more menacing by the night as an on-ball defender. The last area I want to hit on here is his on-off numbers. To me, these always are the most important, I think. They still carry a lot of noise, like all numbers do. But they give a pretty good idea of what kind of impact he's having on this Timberwolves team specifically, and especially how he kind of ranks within just the Timberwolves scope. For the season, the Wolves are 6 points per 100 possessions better when Ant is on the floor. That ranks in the 83rd percentile for all players, and is only behind Jaden McDaniels' plus 7.3 points per 100 possessions for the Wolves, or for Wolves who have played over 300 minutes, I think Matt Ryan is actually above both of those guys, and Jordan McLaughlin is way above both of those guys. But they haven't played a lot of minutes for the season, so it's kind of a bit skewed there. He's actually a minus on defense, which is 
a little bit surprising, especially to the point where it's 2.9 points per 100 possessions better when he's off the floor defensively, which again is a touch surprising, but that is how it's played out in the stats at least. And I do think that's a number that's rising by the game. But Ant makes up for that by kind of being this offensive engine that we've been speaking about. The Timberwolves are 8.9 points per 100 possessions better offensively when he is on the floor. Nobody who has played that requisite amount of minutes is better than that for the Minnesota Timberwolves this season. And it's just, it's everywhere on offense. I think you can certainly feel that when you watch this team. They just can't survive offensively when he isn't on the floor. And that's only getting more pronounced since he has kind of hit the afterburners after the calendar flipped into 2023. The Wolves shoot way more shots at the rim, free throw line, and from three when he's on the floor versus when he's off the floor. And they make way more shots from those three spots when he's on the floor. They make way more shots in the half court, and they make way more shots in transition. All of those numbers are above the 90th percentile compared to every other player in the league. And in general, they're just better. According to Clean the Glass, who extrapolate these numbers out for a whole season, the Wolves play like a 46-win team when Ant is on the floor and a 31-win team when Ant isn't on the court. He's just really good. <laughs> I've got no other way to sign off than to say that Anthony Edwards is just really, really good and the stats back that up. And I really wanted to just look at all of these stats and kind of get a feel for whether our little Minnesota bubble is stewing our vision of how good Anthony Edwards has been. But it hasn't. He has been that good. He's an all-star. I'm not sure if he will be named an all-star, but he's an all-star level player. He's a generational level player. And he right now, he's the not the only reason why the Timberwolves are still in the hunt for the playoffs and still in the hunt for home court advantage in the playoffs. But he is the main reason. Hopefully that continues down the stretch of this season because the Wolves are certainly going to need it. I'll be here to discuss Ant and his Wolves as we keep trucking on through the season. I hope you will be too.